to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another week. We are back to a full complement of four, which is something everyone, I think, loves to see. We've had a whole other round of uh, A-League women's action to talk about, so let's crack into that chat. Joining me, Marissa Lodanik, today is Sam Lewis. Welcome back. Anna Harrington and Angela Christian-Wilkes. So, Let's start things as we usually do with some you love to see it. Sam, you're back so you can kick us off with a you love to see it. What an honour. I'm kicking off my you love to see it with, of course, a beautiful Sydney FC goal. It was Courtney Vine's opener against Wellington Phoenix uh, and I loved it just because it was very Courtney Vine-ish. She sprints down the right wing with the ball. She cuts to the byline. She looks, lifts her head up. She sort of looks around. And in the slow motion replays, you can sort of see her going, who, like, what, like, what can I do? And, like, nobody presents themselves for her. And so what, she, what does she do? She just goes towards goal and nutmegs the goalkeeper, Lily Alfeld, on the way to her second goal of the season. So I just loved it. It was hilarious in slow-mo. And I think Cordy Bryant's going to have a ripping season based off her first couple of games. So you love to see it. The most acute angle. We absolutely love to see it. Angela, what did you love to see this weekend? I love to see, well, yeah, again, on brand, victory scoring goals, in particular Lynn Williams scoring um It is her second, correct? She scored last week. Yeah, she's been busy, busy gal. Um, Yeah, but it was also the goal, I think the whole package, it was the Harriet Withers cross that really um, made me love to see it. I guess Withers held onto the ball. She sort of looked up, teed her options, did a little flick and then did this beautiful cross in and Williams did all the hard work on the other end to be physical and get the head on. And yeah, it was just a, a lovely goal. And then they sort of swapped roles. Um, shortly after the break in the second half, this I always forget to say which game this was in. This was against Brisbane, 3-2. We'll chat about it. But anyway, it was both of them you love to see. But yeah, um, that goal in particular, the first one, you love to see it. That was, I think, Harriet Withers' best game in the dub, like including her city season at City last uh, campaign. So absolutely love to see it. Harry, what did you love to see? I love to see Rihanna Polisina's absolute banger for Melbourne City against Adelaide. Um, so casual. as She gets the ball. Um, she's well outside the box, just goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut onto my right. And then when I cut onto my right, I'm going to stick it in the top corner. <laughs> That's exactly what she does. And uh, the sort of slow-mo replay after Mercy highlighted on Twitter is so good because you just see her. She puts her foot through it and just loops just so, so nicely and Absolutely into the top corner, unreachable, um, perfectly struck, um, delightful goal. And she also had an assist in that game as well, Polisina. It was a real sort of breakthrough game at City. Um, It was the game I think they'd been waiting for her to have. And that goal was just sensational. So Rihanna Polisina showing off her talents. You love to see it. Absolutely. And just quick kind of add one to the banger file. Tiana Jaber's goal for Newcastle against the Wanderers was absolutely spectacular. It really took off (laughs) that's all right I thought it was funny but no it was an excellently struck goal what you don't get it Angel doesn't get it because she's a jet what the planes do it took off Mm -hmm. okay yep I like it now you've explained it to me. I'm so sorry. That was a me problem, not a you problem, Marissa. You keep doing you. Keep making jokes. This has to I'll be catch the social up. media snippet now. The gang Angela, explains you... taking off. Angel, do you clap the plane when it goes up in the air or just when it lands? No, just when it lands. <laughs> See, that's probably why I wasn't particularly interested. This is some Anyway, real... but taking off is so much fun. I really like taking off as well. I would clap if it was permissible. Anyway, but it my makes people anxious I, when you do that on planes. My aunt and I have a game that we always used to play when we went on holidays, which was who could guess as soon as the uh, the wheels of the plane like left the tarmac and whoever won just won the game. You didn't win anything. You just won the moment. <laughs> no prizes here, only pride. <laughs> we had a lot of fun on planes when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Tiana Jaber, you love to see. But anyway, let's actually get into some match chat. We will start actually with the City-Adelaide game because it was very interesting. 
we had City winning 3-1 over Adelaide Harrow. You were there? I was. I was there. I was fun. I was watching. I was enjoying the drama. Give us some takes. Elaborate on the drama. Well, I mentioned um, Emma, you love to see it. Rihanna Polisina was fantastic. Um, She was just the creative fulcrum for Melbourne City, just involved in everything good in the first half. And what allowed her to do that was Rebecca Stott, um, who has just been sensational in that defensive midfield role, albeit um, still limited fitness. And right over just, it just been pretty clear and consistent that it's going to take time for her to be able to play a full 90. Fair enough. Um, But when she's on the pitch, City do really control the tempo of games and um, the way she is defensively as well as we know how much she loves to get up the pitch and attack and can be so creative. Um, It it just really releases the shackles on a player like Policino, who who clearly played her best game um, for City, um, was one of those recruits that they brought from interstate. Uh, Holly McNamara, again, continues to improve and just caused Adelaide all sorts of trouble with her pace. Um, interestingly, uh, Vidasic said post-match that they still want her to use her speed more. So they've clearly given her a licence to just go for it. Use the jets. Um, different sort of jets, Angela. Um, but... Yeah, it was. I thought City were very much all over them in the first half. Um, Adelaide coach Adrian Stenter basically said as much that they're starting games too slowly and um, they need to get that right. Um, and City obviously went 2 0 up. Policina, I said, had the goal. And she also set an assist for Hannah Wilkinson to finally score her first goal of the season after, after many attempts. And then Adelaide got back into the match. They got a foothold on it, um, they got it back to 2 1. And they really should, should have had a penalty, I thought, to to have a go at 2-2, but these things happen. There were contentious calls either way, and it was actually quite impressive, I thought, the way City, after really falling away against Melbourne Victory, uh, finished the game strongly enough to add a third. So I, I thought City well and truly deserved it. Like, they um, they were the better, ta- sorry, the better team. They could have had a few more chances that they put away, and um, Adelaide would have been disappointed, um, happy with the way they finished the game, but they're leaving themselves way too much work to do at the moment. Um and also just maybe you need to be a bit more efficient with burying, burying their own chances um, when they do come. Sam? I'm going to be really curious to see how the return of Dylan Holmes changes Adelaide because it does sort of feel like their midfield sort of back third has been missing something. It's been missing that sort of glue that held them together over the last couple of seasons. And we're all huge fans of Dylan Holmes and I've, I've made no sort of mystery of how much I, I rate her, particularly after she moved to Sweden because she was in ripping form then. Um, but now she's come back and I think she is exactly the kind of player that Adelaide are needing, not just in terms of what she offers on the field, but also because she's a really good character and I think that the whole team is really going to gravitate around her leadership when she returns as well. But it's just, it's funny. It's, it feels like Adelaide and Brisbane have similar kinds of problems. It's not that they play necessarily badly. It's just that in key moments, there are, they make the wrong decision. You know, like they're still playing, I think, a good proactive brand of football when they can. But when those crucial moments happen, they just seem to veer off into a, an alternate reality rather than the one that they should be pursuing. And we'll talk about the Brisbane game later because I think the Brisbane's game against Melbourne Victory is another good example of that. Um, but for what it's worth, I think Fiona Wirtz is having her best game in the A-League women's of her whole career. She's mm. been fantastic for Adelaide so far. She's really been probably their most dangerous player going forward. Um, they just need they just need someone else. I feel like to sort of riff on her and and her energy. Um, but yeah, so but other than that, I also sort of wonder about Adelaide's defense. They really seem to have fallen away from last season. Um, I feel bad for Matilda McNamara because I think a lot of there was a lot of hype around her after her, a really good season last year. But she just seems to be have making clangers left, right, and center. I'm not really sure what the deal is. So yeah, there needs to. I'm curious about how how Dylan Holmes is going to change the whole dynamic when she comes back. I was gonna ask. So I actually wrote this down. I'm glad you've mentioned Holmes, but they've also got Kayla Sharples, who is a defender from the Chicago Red Stars. Do you guys think with their inclusions, Adelaide suddenly become something worth kind of earmarking? It goes a long way to helping things out. I think Sam summed up the Dylan Holmes situation perfectly. They obviously miss Charlie Grant, who I think was hoping to come back, but I'm not sure if quarantine's complicated that. Um, 
anyway, either way, it's not happened as as yet if it is. Um, but yeah, I think that midfield extra sturdiness will help. They weren't helped on the weekend. Isabel Hodgson had to pull out of the game pre-game with a knock, and then Emily Condon got a got a corky during the game, which um which doesn't really help the situation either. But yeah, I think it's that leaky defence that Sam mentioned that's a real issue. McNamara um, had some impressive moments, as I think she always does. Like I think, I mean, she's a highly highly rated young player who's only going to get better. But like the third goal when the game was in the balance at 2-1 came from an Adelaide turnover playing out from the back, like really poor. Great finish from Hannah Wilkinson like to, to sort of slide in. But it was, um, yeah, they would have been disappointed with the way they conceded that. And Adrian Stenter says as much. It's, um, yeah, the interesting thing now is they sort of get a bit of a chance to, to reset because that game against Perth Glory isn't happening till um, New Year's Day. So they get a bit of time to work out some of these kinks. They've had Dylan Holmes, I think, might have been not far off getting out of hotel quarantine, if, already, if not already out. Like, so you get a bit of time to work with your players. A few players can get over their various niggles and um, that might do them the world of good. But, yeah, defence just seems to be the big thing. Um, and the key thing they've noted is fixing those starts because if you're putting yourselves on the back foot, then that's not going to help. The thing I was impressed with was City. I think they look really impressive. And I think when we come into the derby this weekend, it's going to be a really exciting game, like maybe more exciting than what we were hoping from the first time they played because they actually look like they're getting better every week. Like they're settling in. They've got, uh, we mentioned Policina earlier. Emma Checker is having a, like a bar a couple of shaky moments against Victory has been very, very solid and they've been really happy with her. Um, Rado Vidisic is loving Winona Heatley there and basically said she should be in the Matildas right now <laughs> um, after the match the other day. So they're looking quite solid and it seems like they're only going to get better because they're starting to see up games better. Stott's getting more minutes into her legs each week. And with the, I think those last couple of spots in the top four really being wide open, they're in a really good position to to snaffle one of them, I reckon. I, I agree with Anna, I think, and they've been reasonably consistent so far this season as well. It wasn't like when they started, they looked a complete shambles or anything like that, but we did touch on it in earlier pods is that fitness side of things. And so, yeah, and this front line as well, I feel like it's just finally clicked for them. And it's also exactly what they were missing last season as well. So I, I really like that. Yeah. Well, I don't like City winning on the petty side of me. But in terms of watching football and enjoyable football, this is really exciting. And the fact that they've, yeah, just consolidated their defence with the likes of Heatley and then, yeah, just really accelerated that front line with these signings that are now, yeah, really gelling. It's it's pretty exciting. Um, I think, yeah, they will be in that top four. Are we allowed to do, like, mid-season prediction tab things? Sit in the top four, I'm going to say, for sure. Um, and, yeah, also the the run that Policina did before the um, the halftime break, I love that as well, where she's just like and then just does the perfect little, like, pass through to McNamara. I, oh, I really enjoyed that. She was Should have been a goal. That should have been a goal. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And also, like, her set pieces as well. Um, and I think Eric... Friend of the pod, Eric, is um, a big fan of her because she's big in the futsal, the futsal world. But I'm just like, she kicks the ball so hard. That's kind of terrifying. I would simply not want to be a futsal keeper anywhere near her. I, no thanks. Anyway, Polisena, big fan. They do seem to have, yeah, it's not, you're totally right in the sense that it's not that they've looked bad. It's just something on the weekend clicked and everyone was like, ah, yes, this, this is good. This is the stuff. Keep doing that. Um, was Rado happy in the presser, Anna? Because people noticed that he was just a bit like, when they, the grumpy face. Yeah, well, was not that. grumpy face, just Rado resting face, you know, when um, for a couple of the goals there. He, he was happy. He's pretty vocal on the sidelines as well. Um, you usually, the main thing you hear is him telling TJ Vlanich to go like up and down, up and down, like, oh, TJ, TJ. Like that's the main thing you can hear from the press box because, you know, like if she's on the right wing, there you go. Um, no, he was very happy. And I think he's been very sort of measured throughout just thinking that they're going to take time, especially with a lot of, a lot of young players. But yeah, he was, he was certainly happy with and very happy for, 
for Policina and um, and Wilkinson in particular. He said with Policina, that's what we brought her here for. And Wilkinson just he always expected the goals would come. So no, they um they seem pretty happy there at City. And you know, after such a solid start, why wouldn't you be? But yes, no, no shortage of coaches that have the uh the grumpy or resting face, and then they're just like they come into the press room and they're like, oh yeah, we're good now. We got the points. I'm thinking of that classic Ernie Merrick meme where I think it was from a grand final of some sort and it was like Ernie Merrick happy, Ernie Merrick sad. Ernie Riley McGree, uh, scorpion kick. Yes. Okay, I'm glad you've added context there. We'll, we'll find it, we'll retweet it. It's funny if you know what we're talking about. You're already laughing, so it's fine. But let's move on to some other games. I would argue this one was the funnest of the weekend. Newcastle won, Western Sydney won. It, there was just so many chances. There was so much happening. The goals were excellent. It was just a fun Friday afternoon by the looks of it. Sam, what did you kind of make of this one? Yeah, wasn't it? Like I, I heard the ping of the crossbar, I think, four or five different times. And what, what I really liked about it and the sort of the, one of the points that I want to make over the course of this season and that I'm hopefully going to be writing about in future for ABC is about what happens when you have a game like that in a stadium like that. Because if you had a game like that that was in a big, empty Combank Stadium in Parramatta, I feel like it would have had a completely different energy to it. It would have had a completely different feeling. And I feel like almost the game wouldn't have happened the way that it did because the crowd really helped the Wanderers get back into this match towards the end there. Um, I wrote in my a sort of weekly wrap that one of the big contributors was Rosie Galea when she was substituted on early after Libby Copas-Brown had to be taken off with asthma. And her coming on, her ferocity, her talent on set pieces, she just added something that the Wanderers, Wanderers were really lacking at that point. And the addition of Ashley Crofts also helped in that regard. And she ended up scoring the equaliser in the 90th minute or something after a, a, just a, a, a very clear, concise series of passes that ended up with her just slamming it into the back of the net. And the crowd went absolutely ballistic. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, was a, it was a really good match. I think Newcastle will probably feel like they underperformed a little bit. Um, the Jaber goal was unreal, but I feel particularly in light of their smashing of Wellington in the round previous, I sort of feel like Newcastle should have offered a bit more going forward. Um, they have the talent and I'm still, I've still got big uh, meme question marks around my head about what's happening with Lauren Allen and why Lauren Allen isn't being used more regularly because she's absolutely lethal down that wing. Yeah, and I, I don't know, Emily Van Egmond, she was, yeah, she was good. She sort of probably didn't live up to her own standards. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a strange game. Game of two halves, I suppose you could say. I think they missed Dolvik in terms of what she brought to that, that 5-1 win that they had. Um, she just has that, like, sort of flair and that, I guess, intuition to find interesting chances and that sort of thing, and they, and they did miss that a little bit, so... Can I guess partially blame it on the Roni? They got Roni a little bit there, but yeah, they should have definitely. I think Jets should have seen out the game. But I was really impressed by Western Sydney. It is that sort of thing of like, oh, I've watched that game. I know more about them now. I can see what they're trying to do. It just seems, yeah, they just need to polish up their finishing, and they could be quite um, lethal in particular scenarios. I think so. I'm I got a lot out of it. I'm sort of keen again interested moving forward to see how they both respond to this sort of draw situation that they had because yeah it was a very fun game very funky I like that point Angela because I think when you haven't got a dog there it's easy for Western Sydney to then go okay well let's just quell the influence of Emily Van Egmond and we don't have to worry quite so much about you know another big threat which we saw in that game against Wellington right like so it, it gives them a bit more room to do that. It's important for the Wanderers because um, we know they already had a point on the board, but they hadn't actually scored any goals. So like it, it would have been very frustrating for the forwards who'd have been feeling a lot of pressure for Catherine Canoli, who's trying to execute all these things, but you don't give yourself any sort of real chance to get much out of a game if you're not scoring. So a bit of a relief and hopefully a platform for them to build on, especially heading into a game against Sydney FC, who you know are always going to be lethal um, in attack and, you got to be scoring goals if you're going to be um, competing in, in those sorts of games. The thing I have liked is it's just shown that we've had largely, bar you know, a couple of thrashings, um, 
that it's a generally pretty competitive and fun league. Like, you know, it still feels like I would agree with you, Angela, that City look the prime candidates take that third spot in the top four. But there's quite a few teams who look like they might um, make a genuine run at it and keep it competitive, like heading into, you know, head, as we get closer and closer to finals, as their squads get more accustomed to playing together, as we see some of these talented young players get more um, game time. I sound like Sam here. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it is important for them, I think. And, uh, yeah, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward because the Wanderers obviously have to play Sydney FC again. Um, how they equip themselves, uh, sorry, equip themselves this time around with a probably a better sort of scoreline. All right, let's keep moving along. We had another interesting one on Saturday. It was Victory 3, Brisbane 2. We're not going to talk about Victory because I don't know how many more times we can say they missed Kayla Morrison and their defence played like a defence without Kayla Morrison. I'm feeling personally vindicated for my call of they look like a team that went from a 3-0 kind of results thing to a 3-2 or a 4-3, but that's not really a, you know, controversial take or doesn't take any real kind of intellect to make a a call like that, but I'm going to claim it anyway. Um, I wanted to talk more about Brisbane, and I posed this to you guys uh, before we started recording, so now I would actually like your answers. Are Brisbane playing like a side that is currently 0-3 or are we missing something else from them? What is actually going on with this Brisbane side? They're not. They're abs- I think they're playing well. They're playing almost too well to be where they are on the ladder and it just feels like similar to Adelaide, like they just they get to the final third and the last decision that needs to be made is always the wrong one. There's always a, a pass that goes astray. There's a cross that goes somewhere else. There's a shot that goes straight to the keeper. They've created so many opportunities. I think when I wrote my column, I counted that they've had at least 50 shots in the first three games and they've barely converted any of them. So like that, so th- like sometimes the ball just doesn't want to go into the net. But you have to wonder when it starts happening in consecutive games what the issue is because sometimes you can just have a one-off. But if this is going to continue, you got to start asking questions. But if we put it in context, Brisbane do tend to start seasons quite slowly. Last season when they had Emily Gilnick up front and a whole bunch of Matildas, they went for their first couple of games not really earning that many points either. So it's just a matter of time, which is frustrating in a 14-round season. You know, you, by the time you've clicked, it's halfway through and sometimes you're at the bottom of the ladder. But this is what Brisbane tends to do. And I have faith, because like based on the performances that we've seen from them so far, that they're going to shoot up the ladder pretty quickly as soon as one of those players up front starts to really find their shooting boots. And as much as I like Larissa Crummer and it's a really nice comeback story, I think Shay Connors is going to be the player that delivers for Brisbane in that sense. Um, she she just has the sort of the fizz, I think, that you need to play this, the, the style of football that Brisbane are wanting to play. I also think Brisbane's midfield and their two centre-backs are some of the most impressive players in the competition so far. Jesse Rashart has just had a new lease on life moving from Canberra to Brisbane. She's been fantastic. Um, the fact that she has kept silent almost two of the fastest players in the league in their game against Brisbane, Lisa Devanna and Gemma Crane, was really, really impressive. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think it's only a matter of time for Brisbane. It's just whether in a game like this one against Victory, whether their opposition teams can just try and put more goals past them before they do. That's it, Sam. I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head. It's kind of similar to the conversations we had about Brisbane early last season. It's it's one of those ones where you go, yeah, you're unlucky and your results don't really reflect the way you're playing until they do. So it's kind of on them to turn it around because if it happens a couple more games, then you've played more than a third of the um, the regular season and can't say home and away season for obvious reasons. Um, once it gets to that sort of point where it's a third of the season and you're throwing results away, like you, it starts saying, well, no, actually there's something deeper lying. But after three games, kind of a bit of slack, a couple have gone the other way and they, um, they're very good in the first half against victory as well. Um, and again, as you said, Sam, finishing isn't necessarily their strong point. Casey Dumont um, made a couple of good stops. Um, Polly Doran made this incredible challenge um, 
as well. So there's some, um, yeah, some things, like you say, for them to work on. They'll get more game time into Katrina Gorey as well, who's so influential when she is on the on the field and will only get better. Um, but, yeah, it's just a matter of actually turning it into some results because, unfortunately, whatever way you look at it, it's it's zero from zero from three. So, yeah, it's um it's on then to, yeah, as you say, just try and reverse the form, at least in terms of getting some points like that because that just makes a big difference in terms of in terms of your confidence as well. And I reckon what's going to happen is exactly the same as what happened last season where I'm pretty sure like the the game where Brisbane sort of clicked, they scored like five goals in a game and then it was just goals, 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 goals until basically the end of the season and they finished second. So I reckon this team has got that in them as well. There's going to be a game and RIP to the team who's going to face them when it happens where they're going to just slam five or six goals past them because that'll be the point where Brisbane are like, oh, okay, so this is how this works now. And then they're going to continue on. That said, they don't have Emily Gilnick to do it this time around and they don't have to make a yell in midfield to to create some of that stuff or Claire Polkinghorn at the back. So I think it's going to be obviously obviously a diff- more difficult task to do that. You'd love to see it because Brisbane, when they're up and about, are always fun. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's going to it's going to be interesting, as we said. It's it's so competitive and it's so fun, and hopefully, um, yeah, we see that see that continue. The the other uh, random fact that we didn't mention is Alex Chidiak couldn't get into Queensland because she hadn't been in the country for fourteen days. She was on something like day thirteen, and couldn't get into Brisbane um, because of that. So victory had to work their way around that. Um, but obviously, as Angela mentioned, Lynn Williams was just was just stellar, um, and it's it's good to see that for their side of things that they are making the most of, of her stint here. Like she's just going here for a limited amount of games and I'm going to score goals and I'm going to assist them and we're just going to get loads of points. Um, so yeah, it's a yeah, interesting game. With the Lynn Williams signing, I rewatched the signing video and it's like her peoples in the U S were like, maybe you should just like take some time out just to have a bit of a rest. And she was like, no, I'm just going to keep, Keep going. She decided to go boss or go rest. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I just remembered this very podcast making many jokes about Brisbane draw last season. Ha ha, Brisbane draw. We had the meme and everything and then they smacked victory for six. That was that was very funny. Oh, can I mention one other thing is Catherine Zimmerman, three goals in three games, I think so far, is clearly the striker in the league. Like everyone's talked so far about, about and justifiably Lynn Williams and to a lesser extent Alex Chidiak from her one appearance. But Zimmerman is lethal, like... She doesn't really miss chances, and some of, some of them are quite difficult to execute. Um, I I just think she's getting better and better. And it's it was funny. Leah Privatelli yesterday at, at the um the sort of derby pre match presser got asked about uh you know it's so hard to stop so hard to stop a striker in form. Like how do you go about um, stopping Hannah Wilkinson? And she goes, well, I think we're lucky because we've got three strikers in form, so we're going to go score lots of goals. And I was like ties into the Marissa theory you might score three goals but we'll score four doesn't matter how many you score because we'll score more <laughs> that's Melbourne victory that was kind of BD from Privatelli was like, that yeah was that meant to, was that a deliberate rhyme there not, that's not overly deliberate but a little bit <laughs> it sort of happened and I went with it but yeah uh Privatelli just no concerns um for what other teams will throw at them and I love that love that confidence from the new skipper I can imagine, I can see the sunglasses just dropping onto her face. Like, mm, that's cute. One informed striker. How about three? <laughs> but speaking of teams with plenty of informed strikers, we won't go into too much depth, but the final game that we had this round was Sydney 3, Wellington nil. It was all your favourite Sydney players doing good things. Courtney Vine, as Sam mentioned, scored a spectacular goal. Charlie Rule scored her debut goal and Mackenzie Hawksby smacked one into the back of the net. We did not learn anything we did not already know about Sydney or about Wellington, so we don't need to go into too much depth. But, yes, Sam, quick thoughts on Sydney-Wellington. Yeah, I mean, you're right. We didn't learn anything new, but... I do think that this was a better performance from Wellington than what they have put on since their opener against the Wanderers. I thought particularly in the first half, they were really impressive in terms of their press, in terms of the way that they tried to keep the ball on the ground and pass out from pressure. 
Um, I think some of the the inclusions um, into the squad were really exciting as well. Alyssa Wynnum on that left wing was particularly fun to watch. She's got sensational footwork for a young player. And she almost, she probably should have scored that goal where she just like decided to dribble through a whole bunch of Sydney players. But for some reason, she squared the ball to nobody instead of shooting. So yeah, I mean, Wellington have great players and I'm like, I'm, I'm really glad that this is the season that they're having because it's showing them where they need to improve. And I think that this is a crop of players who are going to meet those standards and meet those expectations, not just over the course of this season, but also moving forward. When it comes to Sydney, yeah, it was a it was a Sydney performance. They grow into their games um, as they usually do. Courtney Vine was once again excellent. I'm really pleased that Charlie Rule scored her debut goal. It was a pretty easy tap-in, but it's always really nice to get off the mark like that, particularly when you're a young sort of junior young Matilda. And Mackenzie Hawksby continues to be, I think, uh, one of the, the underrated midfielders of the entire competition. She's still only young, but she absolutely rules the roost in the centre of midfield. She dictates so much play and she's got an incredible engine. And even though Princess Abini is maybe not getting on the score sheet as often, her work rate has also really impressed me. It was her pressure uh, that set up the Hawksby goal towards the back end of the second half as well. She won the ball back quite high, high up the field and she had did a couple of really lovely moves and cut the ball back. That was really good. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm largely very impressed with this Sydney team because I think the, in the, in light of the loss of Teresa Polias, things could have like, it could have just been a train wreck. Cause she was just like, she was the planet around which all of these little moons were revolving, you know, like she kept that group together and had so much leadership and so much influence on, over them last season on the field. So it really, it all could have, could have fallen apart for them with her loss, but it hasn't happened. You know, Taylor Ray, I think, has really stepped up into that defensive midfield role in a really good way. And I think the two centre-back pairings as well of, of Nat Tobin and um, Charlotte McLean are really starting to, like, ease into their seasons as well. So, yeah, I mean, this is, it, I don't know, Sydney sort of feel like what's happening to the rest of the league at the moment. They're sort of realising the areas that they uh, have sort of needed to improve upon. They're not sort of get over like being overwhelmed by the pressure or expectations of anything. And they're just sort of, they, you know, growing into it and it's, it's good. It's nice to watch. I also don't think that this is the best that they can play. I think that this is a group of players who can play better than this, which is even more exciting because they're all so young. You guys couldn't see that, but Sam was getting very Italian with her hand gestures and not, not the gesture, but there was a lot of kind of, can you feel we'll, we'll post screenshots and it will make sense you'll you'll see it and you'll hear it and it will just make sense but you're right I think we're all very interested to see then next week's Sydney derby to see if Sydney continue on continuing on or if Western Sydney do show a bit more fight so we'll quickly run through next week's fixtures we've got literally a game tomorrow we're recording on a Wednesday we've got a game tomorrow we've got Thursday night football how bloody good We've got Canberra hosting Brisbane. Then we have a Melbourne derby on Boxing Day. We've got the Sydney derby on the 27th and then Wellington hosting Newcastle to round things out. So I reckon next week's episode is going to be very interesting. It always is when we've got lots of derbies to talk about. So we haven't had a, well, we haven't had a major boot, a, a usual boot in a little while so we've got a small one and I think this is a very unanimous boot as our boots usually are it's just dumb so Sam please boot this for all of us yeah it is dumb um you know we we talk on this podcast a lot about player development and when we talk about the pathways for Australian players there's a lot of chat about the college system and this week we saw the college draft in the NWSL. And what that is for anyone who doesn't know is that players who reach the end of their college careers can then sign uh, or register for a draft. So they're put into a big pool of college players and NWSL clubs then go through and they pick which ones they want who are coming out of that draft. And they make a huge deal about it. It's this massive event. The Athletic had 72-hour coverage of it. There were the, the Twitter was just a light, the graphics, it was a whole thing. But the problem with this draft and with the NWSL system structurally is that these kinds of processes really take away a lot of autonomy from players. 
And we see that when a club claims the rights to a player only to flick them onto another club in exchange for something else, for money, for picks, for whatever. So like American sport more generally sort of I think is really bad at this, but it's particularly bad in women's sport and in women's football more sort of worryingly um, because in light of this past year where we've seen stories about abuse of players, structural things like this really contribute to those overarching inequalities of power. Players often feel completely beholden to coaches and to clubs for their careers which leaves them in positions of vulnerability, um, which then leaves them to open, open to, to being abused by people who are in positions of power over them. So as much as it's sort of fun to, you know, do a big sort of celebratory draft and you know, in non-COVID times, they would put them all in a, in a big ballroom and they'd all get dressed up and it would be a, this whole big event. It's actually feeding into a pretty dangerous cycle, which is uh, cementing, lots of inequalities between players themselves and the clubs and the coaches and the authority figures who are basically in charge of their careers. And players don't get a lot of say in these kinds of things. We've seen it happen in terms of some Matildas who had their discovery rights claimed by some USA clubs only for the player to not want to go there but they had no choice because that's how the rights work. This sort of stuff happens around players without their consultation and without their input. And that's really dangerous, again, because it folds into this larger disparity of power between the decision makers and the players and the workers themselves. So I'm just a bit, a bit of a boot for the draft. Like I like that there's so much attention and media coverage of it, but it does sort of speak to a larger structural problem that I think we need to start moving past. So big old boot to the college draft system. Sam, just to bounce off that on, it's not as serious a note as what you were talking about, but the pay is not like people talk about the draft and in the things like the NBA, um, for example, is the best example. Players can be traded against their will, um, but they are earning millions and millions of dollars. I still don't think it is a good thing that players can be traded against their will, but they are at least earning millions and millions. These players are not earning very much at all in the NWSL. I saw a really good point someone made on Twitter that if clubs can get allocation money for players and they can trade that on and you can have the right to, if you have the right to um, trade allocation money because you want the rights to Angela, should like why should Angela's um, wages be so much less, right? Than the money you're if you're actually willing to fork out money to another club and therefore another owner, then why isn't the place? The answer, of course, is capitalism. But like, of course, it's it's just yeah, it's just ridiculous. And then you even see players who should have so much power in the game, like say a Kristen Press who got traded from Chicago to Houston and didn't want to go there, and then end up. Uh, um, at Utah Royals in the end but like players that can have had long national team careers or have um, you know got families or I remember a few years ago Ali Krieger was at Washington and was one of the players that sort of took a stand when they had some issues and then got um, traded to Orlando Pride like you have players who have so, so much of a say in the game or should have so much of a say in the game so much respect and are so high profile and they can just be flicked onto another club without any say whatsoever and is it any wonder why some players like I remember Hayley Mace um, was going to get sent to Sky Blue off the top of my head and then was like no thanks went to Melbourne City played a few games there and then played in Sweden um, and then later went to NC Courage and is now at Kansas City I think like it's a crazy system but yeah it, it is ridiculous I think the draft is an outdated system um, if you are not especially if you're not paying the players the right amount like and to be honest, like, can you blame players for wanting to go play in Europe instead? <laughs> like, it's, uh, yeah, and it's not like they're small distances. Like, some of these players, I know a lot of them go away for college or whatever, but they can be dragged. I remember Jess McDonald talking about this, getting dragged from one place to another to another to another for years before she finally settled in NC. And it's like, it's quite um, it's quite extraordinary. And, yeah, Sam, I'm, I'm not a fan of it either, obviously. So a secondary boot. I guess also on that point, Anna, about particular players pushing back, you have to have a sort of amount of 
power, whether that's coming from the fact that you're very talented or like you have the, the wage to be able to, I guess, like push back against these things as well. It's like those, those who are affected most by this are these younger players who are coming through. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's why it's really great that, you know, they've got a union in the NWSL now that can sort of address these things more holistically because, you know, all the power to those who can push back against these systems, but it is going to be that collective action that's going to change it and make sure that those who don't have that, you know, power can claim it, if that makes sense, on a sort of labour level. Also, a boot to expansion drafts that just make no sense, but how good to the very funny thing when they like select they or they trade for the rights to someone like Caitlin Ford and she's like I'm not coming back like and they've just got these worthless rights like this if this player is not going to come back to the US you you just traded all this what are you doing so uh you get you get those entertaining moments from time to time but on the whole that how good is part of a overall much bigger boot I think the most recent one was Claire Emsley and everyone was like she's still got like a year to go on her contract at Everton but sure I hope you enjoy her rights I bet they'll be really great down the wing and I'm glad you mentioned unions Angela because I think it speaks to kind of the wider sports union culture in the US and just wider union culture in the US versus somewhere here I'm sure things aren't perfect down here but I think we have a much stronger union culture particularly in our sports that allows for players to kind of have, if not agency, that collective power together. So I am really hoping that the NWSL Players Association, which is still quite new and young, continues to kind of build and grow and they can kind of work past these things because it's no bueno at all. But um, let's move from boots to how goods because it's always nice to end on a how good. Anna, do you want to start us off with a how good? Yeah, it's a Christmas-themed how good, which is a bunch of the Matildas, including Tamika Yola, are getting home for Christmas. Um, we all know, um, I spoke to Meg's earlier this year about it, that Tamika Yola has been separated from her family for months now, since before she went away to go to the Olympics, and it doesn't look like New Zealand's border situation is changing anytime soon. But she did post that she was going to see her family, so I assume that's happening in Queensland. I don't know the details, but... Regardless, a lot of these players, it's been so long since they've been able to come home. Steph Catley's back in back in glorious Melbourne. She was soaking up the sunshine. And uh, I know a few of the players, um, Caitlin Ford and Leah Walty was going with her as well. And Mackenzie Arnold was on their flight. So a bunch of players are actually getting home. And for a lot of them, yeah, they got to see their families um, during uh, the most recent series against the US. But a little bit of an extended break. You can't you can't beat being home for Christmas, obviously. So it's just so nice to see, especially at this time of year when so many people are so stressed around what's happening here and who they'll be able to see. Or, you know, we we had the news of the the Perth Glory men today, for example, today being able to go and quarantine at home in Perth. Like, so it's just when you can get <laughs> these nice little glimpses of the little rainbows and the little ha- bits of happiness and sunshine and all that. It's it's fantastic. So. Yeah, hopefully they're able to enjoy their time here and get refreshed and, you know, soak up all the family time they want and need before they head back to busy, busy times again in football. So, yeah, some of the Tilly's getting to come home for Christmas. How good? An enormous how good. Their their Insta stories have been popping off, so it's awesome to see that. Sam, how good? Yeah, my how good this week uh, comes in light of something that's happened which I think is going to make a really big impact on the future of the game. It was the launch of a new online platform called Our Game. It's run by Football Australia, um, but you'll notice that it doesn't really look like Football Australia. It doesn't have the colours, doesn't really have the branding, doesn't really have the vibe that Football Australia tends to have, which I think is a bit sort of parental and like, "Eh, yeah, but like I want to go over here and do this cool thing. I don't want to do what you tell me to do. Our game is the cool teenager of women's football in Australia now, I think. It's a really exciting platform that Marissa and I were really lucky to be involved with planning um, from sort of the early early days where Anno Dong, shout out Anno Dong, friend of the pod, came to us and said, hey, we're, we're building this thing. What do you think about it? What would you like to see? What, how, how can the community be, be part of it? And that was just so lovely. It was so lovely to 
be part of a group of women in football who had we had all these fabulous Zoom meetings with lots of wine um, that sometimes went to like 11 o'clock at night because we were just chatting about the game and chatting about the things that we care about and what we would love to see if we had the opportunity. And Football Australia now are in a position where they're able to actually listen and they're able to build things around what the community wants. So our game is the sort of starting point of those conversations. It's an online platform that is meant to be really heavily community oriented. It's meant to be something that everyone can contribute to in their own kinds of ways. It's meant to be a sort of centralized space for lots of storytelling, lots of content creation, and all the sort of stuff that Australian football, particularly in the women's game, has really been missing. Capturing a demographic of young sort of mid-20s to 30s, money-spending, like interesting cultured people who love football but have never really had the space to engage with it in that way before. So I'm really excited to see what happens with our game. I think it's going to be a really important puzzle piece as we start to build towards 2023 in particular and then beyond that. And also just the way in which it's going to be able to scoop up all of these fans of the women's game who have perhaps felt like they didn't have a space for them previously. This is going to be the space that we can all come to now. We can all share our own experiences and our own stories with each other. So yeah, our game, finally a space for women's football fans online that doesn't feel like Football Australia is just holding our hand through it all. How good? I was just going to say with the our game stuff, I'm really excited to see like, because of the soft launch, but I don't, what happens after a soft launch, a bigger launch? Hard launch. Hard launch. <laughs> hard launch. A hard launch. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for it. Just as like a community football nuff um, and, and seeing how like the things around participation and elevating stories around community football, that's my shit. So I'm really excited for that part of it. And it's that definitely like pinged off for me when I saw the announcements. Good work, guys. Very, very good. Angela, how good? Yeah, my how good. Uh, shout out to Marissa who sent this to me and was like, you should check this out. Um, the, the, my how good is Emma Stanbury having a chat on Adelaide's The Far, not the far Pitch. That's, that's neither us nor them. Emma Stanbury having a chat on The Pitch Pod, which is Adelaide United's podcast. Um, and, yeah, she had a conversation with Gerald Walsh and during that she um, talked about being a woman with autism and um, finally sort of being open about that in her life and um, yeah it was just really wonderful to listen to um, not not to my god about me but she talked about um, in terms of being able being open about this um, and being open about having a brain that works a little bit differently she's been able to get accommodations from her club so Adelaide United and they've been able to support her in ways such as like running through drills before training and she's just like sometimes I get brain melt and I was like bestie same same and yeah not to make it about me but like um, I was as soon as she said that I was like ADHD that's a thing that happens and there's like quite a lot of similarities between yeah um, autism spectrum disorder and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in terms of like behaviors and also how the broader social understanding of them is progressing and people learning how women and girls have these um, disorders too and so yeah it was just really wonderful to hear that discussion Jared actually talked about his wife also having ADHD and um, yeah just I think it will be a really, really positive thing to first just be like people with neurodivergencies can play professional sport and they can be professional athletes and they are and that's a wonderful thing and also that there are ways that you can be supported and just like having more open conversations about it. It's really, really fantastic. And, yeah, I just loved the conversation. And I also, she Emma Stanbury, she's a good laugh. I really enjoyed the chat all around. There was a moment where she like, outed Jared as being like gassy pre-pod record and I was like love that <laughs> it's kind of humor I'm about um but yeah so Emma Stanbury um being open and celebrating being a woman with autism and being a person with neurodivergency how good so so good and would definitely recommend listening to the full episode as Angela said she's very funny like like very good on the pitch but very funny off it so definitely worth a listen uh over on the pitch podcast 
I've got just a couple of little how goods. So I need to mention that we had two new members of the Dub 100 Club. So congrats to Cass Davis and Emily Van Egmond for hitting the hundo. We all know that Cass Davis has literally not missed a game. She debuted in 2013 and simply never stopped playing. So it's an incredible achievement for her. Van Eggs has obviously kind of come in and out of the league but has still racked up 100 games. So it's an amazing uh, achievement. I waffle on about it all the time. You don't need to hear it again. So congrats to those two. And just quickly from me, so on the weekend I got to be part of the Nike FC Cup final, which is like the Women's State Knockout Cup competition down here in Victoria. It was very cool, like me time, it was very cool to be able to be part of the pregame show and the halftime show and down on the sidelines alongside Joey Lynch and Melissa Barbieri. So that was really, really fun. But the bigger how good here was that for the first time in nearly two years, Victorian football got to award some sort of trophy to one of our teams we haven't been able to do that. We've had league seasons abandoned, cup seasons abandoned. Nothing has really been able to happen down here because of COVID. So for us to finally get the opportunity to run something to completion was just so, so good. It was probably not how any of us expected it to go down. No one plays cup finals in December down here. There was under 17s and under 19s in the squad to kind of make sure that these teams could play these games. So It's a huge how good to Football Victoria, the Nike FC Cup, called United who beat South Melbourne 3-0. Alex Sinclair was best on ground. She's an absolutely sensational player. And I reckon, I'm hoping we see her in the dub next year with Western United, but just a huge how good to finally being able to finish something that we started. So can't wait for the next cup run, which isn't that far away, but That's enough from us today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find us on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google. Subscribe wherever you do listen. Leave a review if you feel like doing that. We're at the Far Post Pod on all social media, so feel free to have a chat to us there. But until next time, see yous.